warm welcome to Father Jaden Nelson, who's here this evening to baptize one of his nephews. So welcome. Good to have you here. You can come and do my work anytime. Except for baptizing. I love baptizing. I'm a little, I'm a little upset that I don't get to, but we have three this weekend, so um, I'm getting worked. All right, we're at the Transfiguration, the second Sunday of Lent, and the church places this um, reading, this experience, uh, for, uh, for a good reason at this point in the gospel and in our journey during Lent. The transfiguration, Jesus appearing in all of his glory before Peter, James, and John on the mountain. You may recall, uh, maybe told it once or twice, but it begs repeating, the story of, of an uh, older couple. They were farmers in upstate New York, and they had a, a middle-aged son living with them, and they won a trip, this is some years ago, they won a trip to New York City, and they were able to have a, overnight, a couple overnights at the Waldorf Astoria, that extraordinary hotel, I think on Fifth Avenue. And they packed up their, their old car, and they made their way into the big city. First time there, had never been there. And they were astonished at this city, and it is quite magnificent. And so they drove up, the dad and, and his middle-aged son and Ma, in the driver's, in the passenger seat, and Ma, you stay here, we're going to go in and, and get things settled since we were new to this whole hotel business. And as they walked in, he was astonished, both the dad and the boy, at the, the marble and the gold and all the people coming and going, just so happened to be a quilting conference there that weekend and a beauty pageant in the same time. And he noticed the, the, the old man in all of his wonder, this box off to the side, uh, the doors would open and close and a bell would ring. People would walk in, it would close, and then a few moments later, other people would walk out. And he was quite astonished. He said, boy, look at that. And he was watching as these matronly ladies there for the quilting conference would walk into this box, the doors would close, a bell would ring, and about a minute later, out would pop these beauty pageant participants. To his astonishment, the man said to his middle-aged son, boy, go get your ma. We're going to put her in this thing and see what happens. <laughs> that would be a major change. That's not at all what we're talking about in the gospel. The change of the transfiguration is not about Jesus. The change that happens at the transfiguration on the mountain for Peter, James, and John is in them. They get to see him for who he really is. That's the transfiguration. They were transformed, Peter, James, and John. Their eyes were able to see who Jesus really was. He didn't change one bit. He was the living God there on that mountain. They just got to see with clearer eyes who this was, dazzling white in all of his glory so that they would know this is no mere human. This is no mere prophet. This is the Messiah, and he's something greater than we could ever imagine. It was a mountaintop experience that they needed to have so that they would remember who Jesus is, who he was, etc., in the days that lie ahead. When I was a chaplain, uh, Father Nelson was also a chaplain in high school, we used to take our kids to Whitefish to give them a mountaintop experience. And we would literally want to give them a mountaintop experience, so we would pack a little travel altar in backpacks, chalice, bread, wine, all the things you need for Mass, and we'd go up to that beautiful statue, I think it's the Sacred Heart, of Jesus up uh, in Whitefish, and it's really beautiful, and right there we could have, it's on a run, 
you have to bring everything up, we would construct our little altar and we'd have mass right there at so many feet, beautiful, a mountaintop experience. We really wanted them to have an encounter with God in this extraordinary, extraordinarily beautiful place so that they would remember how true and real God is. And I remember being impassioned as I was preaching that day and my back was to the, the run was here and the beauty of the, the back of the mountains was there so they could see it and I was facing them. And quite serious and impassioned during this homily and I couldn't help but notice all the kids started laughing. And here we are trying to have a mountaintop experience, serious business. And here they're laughing. A little upset, I turned to see what they were laughing at and lo and behold, there was a skier with a banana suit, dressed as a banana, skiing down right behind us. And as I watched, then came, of course, the person dressed in a gorilla suit, who was chasing a banana down the mountain. (laughs) We all had a good laugh. And my mountaintop experience didn't quite end as I had hoped for them. But it made a great memory, the banana being chased by a gorilla while we were having mass. We wanted a mountaintop experience. For them, Jesus wanted a mountaintop experience for Peter, James, and John. Why? Why? Because they were headed to Jerusalem. And after not so many days, weeks, they were going to see this. And he said, you have to know who I am so that when you see this and all seems lost, you will not be afraid. You must see me for who I am so that when all seems desperate, when it looks like the victory is the devil's, you remember, no, I'm God, Jesus says, and I am victory. They needed that so that when things got dark, and that after the resurrection, when they were being martyred, they would know, no, that is him. He is who he says he is. And he brings victory. That's why they needed it. So they could stay faithful in the dark times. That mountaintop experience was meant to last them a lifetime of trials and crosses. The Lord was good enough to give me a little mountaintop experience, a real one this time. When I was in Lourdes, I was leading uh, pilgrims through Lourdes, the great site of, of Our Lady's apparition in, in France. Three weeks I was there leading pilgrims to all the footsteps of St. Bernadette. I was about a year out from being ordained a deacon. And at that point, I wasn't sure. I was just going along the way and letting the Lord lead me. I wasn't expecting anything, no epiphanies, no nothing, but just serving. And I would bring people to the River Gave, that's the river that is down by Masabiel and Our Ladies on one side, and I'd bring them to the other side, and I'd let them approach Mary freely, as, as Bernadette did. And I did that for weeks. And it was toward the end, and I brought a group, it was a wonderful little group, I remember, beautiful sunny day, and I stopped on the one side, I said, we concluded our prayer, and I said, go ahead, you approach Mary on your own. And I sat there as I often would and watched them walk up and have this beautiful experience, hopefully. And I remember hearing these words, almost as if audibly, coming from the statue, which was a hundred yards away. Do not be afraid. You will be uh, my son's priest. I wasn't even asking. It was the voice of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And trust me, I don't have a real deep relationship with her, okay? Full disclosure. But I'm absolutely certain. Because that's not the voice of the devil. The devil doesn't come and say, don't be afraid. 
He comes and says, you better run. And tries to fill us with all sort of confusion. Well, I had this experience and I didn't know why. I wasn't looking for it. I said, okay. <laughs> so if you want to have an issue with me, you can blame the Blessed Virgin Mary. He's who did it. And then it became clear why. Is after I said, okay, good. I, I, I'm happy with that too. Because that following year, this was close to, like I said, a year ending into my diaconate ordination, it seemed as though all hell was unleashed on me. As if the Lord was giving the devil full permission to come after me. And sow seeds of doubt. And accuse me as he does. And to make me think that I wasn't worthy, and I'm not, of this great gift. But he came after me. And had I not had that experience, that little mountaintop experience of, of, of God through the Blessed Virgin Mary, I don't know that I would be here today. Because hell came at me. And it was the most difficult year of my formative journey. But when I was in the midst of all that and sharing it with my spiritual director, he said, you remember what happened in Lourdes? He said, yeah. He said, believe that. Not this crap that the, that the devil throws at you to discourage you, to get you down, to get you to despair, to get you to be afraid. Believe in the voice of of Jesus, who spoke through his mother. Interesting that on that mountain, Peter, James, and John, what did the voice from heaven the Father say? This is my beloved Son. This is who he is. Listen to him. So that when you're down there, and he's up there, and he can't speak because he's suffocating, remember his words. Remember what he said, and remember who he is. He is the victorious king. Listen to him and do not listen to the voice of the devil. So that's our encouragement as we head into this time of Lent. The devil will want to discourage us and throughout our lives will want to discourage us and accuse us. And our Lord invites us, go back to a mountaintop experience. When you experience the living God, maybe it was through the love of a friend or a spouse or a parent, Maybe it was the voice of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Maybe it was the voice of Jesus himself. Maybe it was just sitting in adoration and feeling loved. If you haven't had an experience, I bet you have. But if we haven't, it's coming. And we need to pray for it. Give me a mountaintop experience, Lord, for those days when I don't feel it. You know, Mother Teresa went decades without feeling God's love. Decades! But she didn't doubt because she had experienced it and believed it that that is the living God. He doesn't come in feelings, but he comes in truth. He comes in love. So our homework is to reflect on, in our prayer during this Lent, when have I experienced God recently in the past, ever in my life, and to go there and to relive that because that's real. And that when the devil comes a-knocking, in trial, in darkness, when all seems lost, as some think it is right now in this world, we return to the victorious king who is Jesus and say, no, you win. The gates of hell will not prevail, will they? Because you said so. And that becomes the voice we listen to, not the assaults and the attacks of the evil one who wants us to be afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid. What you experience is real. Go there and believe it. And if we go years like Mother Teresa without experiencing an ounce of feeling about God, so what? 
That'll make us grow up and our faith grow. Jesus, you are real. You're my victorious king. You're my rescuer. I believe that and nothing else that the world or the devil can throw at us. There's a mountaintop, and that's why. We're headed to Calvary, but we know who our God is, and all of that is real, because you're worth it, and good enough, and loved enough. It's real. God is real, and his love for us is real.